Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the O Show podcast presented by FantasyJocks.com. Be a champ today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O Show podcast presented by FantasyJocks.com. I am your host, Jack O'Hara. This is episode 26, Haymakers, alongside Declan O'Hara and Mikey B. We're going to get into UFC 230, Daniel Cormier defeating Derek Lewis to retain. He will go one-on-one with Brock Lesnar in the coming months here, possibly March 2nd in Vegas. Uh, We'll get in a little bit about Crown Jewel some more. I know we got a lot of bad reviews Regarding that last podcast on Crown Jewel, if you didn't see it, you probably shouldn't have. It was really bad. Crown Jewel, that is. Of course, our podcasts are always top-notch when it comes to me and Declan arguing over WWE. Mike will join us a little bit later to talk about the UFC 230 results, including Cormier, who, like I said, hopefully he fights Brock Lesnar come March 2nd now that he holds the Universal title after his win against Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel. So with that being said, let's get into episode 26 entitled Haymakers, and I can assure you after this episode, you will never be the same again. So Crown Jewel was this past Friday. Uh, I gave my reviews on episode 25, did not get a lot of love for that podcast, but Declan, you saw the show, back me up. Was it not the worst thing you've ever seen in professional wrestling? All right, look, this is what this is just what I'm going to say. If the show happened to be in the United States, if it was in the United States, it would have been way worse. Think about it. It was basically a house show for Saudi Arabia, but it's not like WWE's constantly in Saudi Arabia so they can get shows. They're in Saudi Arabia. That's why Vince wanted to throw together DX versus Brothers of Destruction, a match that the people of Saudi Arabia can see because you were never going to see that otherwise. I don't think that match was a match that Vince would have put as a main event on, you know, on like a a mainstream pay-per-view in the United States. I think I think that card was put together for a Saudi Arabia crowd. Yeah, but Saudi Arabia doesn't know any better. They didn't even know what was going on half the time. Exactly. There were no so huge pops. There was like an, an occasional golf clap type cheer, but that was about it. Yeah, of course. What's the point of throwing together a five-star show for a crowd that doesn't really understand what's going on? WWE fans are freaking out. This show really had no impact on the course of WWE. It was basically a house show. I mean, I wouldn't say it doesn't have a like a uh, an effect well, on WWE. It, does, it really wouldn't have if they didn't give the title to a freaking Lesnar again. 
Well, here's here's the take on like the whole thing about being Saudi Arabia and that they brought all these guys back. Saudi Arabia didn't know any better. They could have put Rollins and Ambrose in the main event. It would have been fine. It would have been entertaining. They would have made their money. I mean, I don't know why Vince had to bring Shawn Michaels out of retirement to wrestle like that. Like, even Triple H looked terrible in that main event. I mean, I sent you that one thing where Undertaker and Triple H were outside the ring and they were deciding which one to throw towards the barricade and they ended up just both slamming into the barricade. It was like a ghost, like freaking uh, Marty Jannetty or something came out of nowhere and just clotheslined the both of them. It was awful. It was a bad match. It was a, I think I think Triple H and uh, and the Undertaker especially I think their egos got away from them in this match and I thought they thought I think they thought they were gonna have some sort of moment they think they still have the same chemistry and they can pull off the same shit that they were doing in 2012 which sounds crazy because you would think that that wasn't that long ago but that was already that uh, that Hell in a Cell match was six years ago and they look significantly better then than they do now. For sure. You got a point there, kid. Um, we got our first critic today. Yeah. When I posted that uh, audio pick of Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, I just said, do better, and I tagged WWE in it. And this morning, we got a comment saying, do better on your podcast, asshole. Well, you, you can't please everybody. You know, in my opinion, I think it's very impressive that this podcast was started what five months ago six months yeah ago? we're about five months almost five months may 19th i think was our first episode all right may 19th is our was our first episode and we've had one critic so far i say that's pretty good yeah well we don't know exactly how many listeners we've had either that's but that true. being said we want to let our critic know that he is the first and that we also want him to let him know that our mother very thinks strongly of what he said what did she say? I don't know. She said there's a special place in hell for people like that. Yeah. Not saying we that's coming from our mom, Critic. That's just that's just a mom being a mom. We're okay with critics. It's all good. Just know if anybody wants to talk poorly about our podcast and say to our face, our mother will be there to back us up. So be prepared, all right? I mean, that main event was not the only bad thing about that pay-per-view. Shane McMahon winning the uh, World Cup tournament. I, if, what the hell was that? Go, yeah, if you go on YouTube and you look at the video that WWE posted on, on YouTube for, and it says, Shane McMahon returns to replace The Miz in World Cup, look, just look at the likes and dislikes. There's probably like 7-point-something thousand likes and 10,000 dislikes. It's honestly, it's rare that I go onto a huge YouTube platform, like for example, other than WWE, say I go to like an MLB video or a UFC video, it is rare to see a video on a mainstream media platform like that and have there be more dislikes on a video than there are likes. I honestly don't think I've ever seen that. For something that's supposed to be looked at positive for a face like Shane to replace a heel like The Miz. Well, at this point, Shane, like everybody, I mean, the casual fans in Saudi Arabia were probably pleased, like, oh, that was kind of cool. But the diehard, like, diehard to the core wrestling fans are like WTF, The Miz. Like, I honestly thought he actually got hurt. Like, he played that off like he actually, like, tore something in his knee and had to be replaced. 
Because I, I, that was so poorly booked, having Shane beat Dolph like that after he beat Kurt Angle and beat Seth Rollins. I honestly thought that they were just, like, improvising because Miz got hurt. But that entire thing was planned. Who thinks of Why stuff like that? Why someone like Ziggler, who for so long and it has been public about his views about how WWE doesn't use him properly, why do something like that to him? Because now everyone's watching this pay-per-view and they see him beat Rollins and they see him beat freaking Kurt Angle and they're like, okay, he's finally getting this big break. He's going to win the World Cup and then, of course, Vince throws his has-been son out there and lose and have Ziggler lose the World Cup to Shane McMahon. And in those first two matches against Rollins and Angle, he had uh, Drew McIntyre in his corner. In the third match before it, like, like not even before it started, I think he was there when, when uh, Miz was there, but then when Shane inserted himself, the referee just randomly threw Drew McIntyre out. Like, he didn't even do anything. That was stupid. I, I, it was just poorly booked, I think. Uh... So Shane winning that, Brock Lesnar, the Universal Champion again. Oh my God, why? Like we, it was nice seeing the Universal Championship for those uh, six weeks there. But uh, I guess it's time for him to go again. Brock Lesnar probably won't be on TV till Survivor Series. He's gonna face AJ Styles again at Survivor Series for the second year in a row. We'll probably beat him for the second year in a row. So what's the point in even seeing the match? But I don't know why Braun Strowman who's supposed to be, like, the face of WWE, not, like, the face, but, like, the baby face of the company now that Roman's out, why he'd get squashed like that, considering he's the monster among men. I don't know. I think Vince is still going through a phase with Strowman where he doesn't think he should be the champion yet. Because that's how Vince has always been. Think about it. Think how long Punk was... You know, a main figure in the WWE and was a main main uh, attraction. And it took him halfway, more than halfway through his career for Vince to finally put the title on him. And that's just one of many people that he's done this to. Well, he the Punk held the world title three times before he got that major push in 2011. I mean, Braun Strowman has one title in the WWE, and it's the tag team title, and he forfeited it because his partner was an 11-year-old. Yeah. Well, it's also different because Strowman hasn't been here that long, and say, say uh, Punk was only on the main roster for two and a half years, three years, and at that point, he still wouldn't, he wouldn't have three world titles. So what I'm saying is Vince is giving Strowman these title opportunities, but I don't know. I think it's almost like a test. He's putting him in the title picture to see if he's worthy of having the title, which I think he is. And I think he he showed the company that a long time ago. And this is Vince just procrastinating. I mean, why give him the Money in the Bank briefcase? I'm still going way back to SummerSlam when it was Lesnar and Reigns and then Strowman came out and we thought he was cashing in, but really he was just there to see the match at ringside and then he ended up getting beat by Lesnar and threw the briefcase up the stage and then Reigns came out of nowhere and won and that ended the pay-per-view. Still very distraught by that, by the way, and I I can't help but think what Vince is thinking in giving Braun the briefcase if he's not going to come out on top considering how dominant... They've pushed him. He's supposed to be like this unstoppable monster. Well, that's why I 
I'm still upset with the fact that they turned him face to begin with. Why did they turn him heel? Like, well, so he was heel for a couple years there, and then they and turned him face. Like then he was the top baby face, and then they turned him heel for about four weeks when he was with McIntyre and uh, Ziggler, and now he's all of a sudden the face again after Reigns had to leave. He's literally the next Big Show. Okay. He's playing, he's playing the role the Big Show played in 2012. Not even. Big Show turned heel like two weeks ago. Yeah, but no one gives a shit about the Big Show. The whole, it's, the whole thing with the bar is pointless and everybody knows it. When the Big Show was in the main event picture with Cena and Mornitis in 2012, that's when he... You know, I, I will give credit to WWE there. He, the Big Show was a solid heel then. But Strowman needs to, I don't know, I don't think they should have ever turned him face when they turned him face. Because then people got used to him face. But think about it when he was a face after, like, his post-WrestleMania. He was just, I don't know. He wasn't, he didn't look that dominant anymore. He was kind of just like a fan favorite. Well, when, when did he turn face? Had to be a little bit after, like, SummerSlam 2017. Yeah. Um, Around Survivor Series, I think. Yeah, it had to be when he uh, remember he uh, power bombed Triple H at Survivor Series, and they never got around to that either. Yeah, no. Like, what was the point of that? That could have been a great WrestleMania type match, and they never got around to it. Just like they never got around to Shane McMahon and Brock Lesnar. Never even touched on that. Oh my! It's SummerSlam 2016. He came running down. After Lesnar beat the crap out of Orton, blood everywhere. It was like a bloodbath in the ring. And then F5 Shane McMahon to end the show. And then Shane commented about it on SmackDown the next two nights saying, this thing is far from over between me and Brock Lesnar. And, well, it was basically over after that because they never even mentioned it. It would have been a terrible match, too. It would have been so bad. Like, Shane is not a gifted wrestler. Like, he's just, like, mechanically and technically not there. No. Like, he's entertaining. He He's an athlete, he but he's not a wrestler. Like he, he wrestles like he's the boss's son. He's like he's like a, he's like the kid on Little League who bats third in the lineup because his dad's the coach, but he doesn't really deserve to be batting third. That's Vince Mc, That's Shane. That's Shane McMahon. Can we, uh, I've always wanted to do this. Can we touch up on the finger twirl thing that he does? Like the, yeah, the like pointing that he that, does. I feel like we're the only people that notice that. I feel like a lot of people notice it, but it's never been touched on before. Like nobody's ever brought it up. It's not a meme. It's not like a, it didn't go viral on Twitter. He, he always scratches the side of his forehead and leaves all these red rashes on his uh, face. He's always sweating so bad that it looks like he just stepped out of the shower with all of his clothes on. And then the finger twirl, like he like twirls it around like he's wrapping spaghetti around his index yeah, finger. Vince doesn't do that. Stephanie doesn't do that. It's just Shane. I mean, he's like so hyper all the time. I don't get it. Um... So, Brock Lesnar, most likely now going to be the Universal Champion until, like, the Rumble or WrestleMania. Kind of unfortunate. How stupid is that that they already set up the Champion versus Championship match at Survivor? So, I got a notification from WWE today from the app that said, Breaking uh, Title Change at Raw. 
So I'm like, oh, sweet. They took the title off of Lesnar. Hell no way. You wouldn't fight on Raw. They gave Authors of Pain the tag team titles against... Rollins, basically. Ambrose didn't fight. I think it was a two-on-one handicap match. Yeah. That makes sense, though. The Authors of Pain are probably, like, the next big heel tag team. If they use them correctly. Yeah, you're right. They probably won't. Um... But Lesnar is now going to be the Universal Champion heading into, like, the big pay-per-views. He probably won't be on TV for a while. He's got to train for UFC. It's already basically confirmed that he's going to fight Daniel Cormier at the next big UFC event for the heavyweight title. He'll probably be wearing both. Did you see uh, Cormier's post-fight uh, interview with Joe uh, Rogan? Yeah, he said, um, you know, Brock Lesnar, why don't you bring that new WWE title over here so I can feel like – so I can – Feel what it's like to be a WWE champion. So, Daniel Cormier says now he wants, or, you know, jokingly says he wants to have the WWE title too. So I believe that that all but confirms Daniel Cormier versus AJ Styles for the WWE championship, right? That makes sense, right? That's what he said, right? No, no, no. He's holding the Universal Championship, idiot. Come on, Cormier. Brock Lesnar is the WWE Universal Champion. AJ Styles is the WWE Champion. I don't think Daniel Cormier, frankly, gives a shit. Uh, I don't think any UFC fan really cares. But um, one thing Daniel Cormier should know is that all of us WWE fans are very upset with the fact that Brock Lesnar is the newly crowned Universal Champion. It doesn't make any sense at all. Like, now you're going to have a Strowman-McIntyre um, rivalry without the belt. And oddly enough, Baron Corbin screws Strowman like that. So now they're probably going to have some angle with Strowman and Baron Corbin. They're just going to push him away from the title. That's what they're doing. I don't get it. So what are you going to have at the Back Rumble? Are you going to have Lesnar versus McIntyre? You're going to have one of those matches. You can't have Lesnar Strowman again. We've seen it way too many times. No, you, you can't, but we could, and I think we will. To be honest with you, I'd rather see Lesnar McIntyre. Just like I would rather have saw Lesnar Lashley, but we didn't get that. Did we? No, and I don't think we're getting... And at this point, what's even the point? They're both heels. Lashley, an underwhelming heel at that. Very with Leo Rush, who is that guy, and what is he doing? Why is he on 205 Live, and why is he also Bobby Lashley's manager? And you could say the same thing for uh, Drake Maverick, who's the general manager of 205 Live and is the manager of Authors of Pain. What are they doing? They're like the Shield 2.0 in their vests. No, they literally are. It's a total ripoff of the Shield. It's, like, upsetting to watch, almost. Uh, I mean... They could have gone this route if he didn't get hurt. They could have turned Kevin Owens' face. You could have Lesnar versus Owens. But Owens is probably out for the next half year, just like Sami Zayn. He's been booked horribly forever. What they could have done on SmackDown... 
I know that they have the WWE title planned for Saudi Arabia. They could have done it this Tuesday. They could have had Daniel Bryan take the title off of AJ Styles. That way you could have that dream match in Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan, champion versus champion at Survivor Series. I'd rather see that than see Styles-Lesnar again. Because I'm not going to lie, Styles-Lesnar last year was a great match. It was, but it, this time, the second time, if Lesnar just beats him again in another great match, what's the point of having that rematch? And I feel like Lesnar's last couple matches, he's been wrestling like he does not get, he just does not care about WWE. He's been lazy for years. I remember at WrestleMania 32 when he fought Ambrose in that no holds barred street fight. Ambrose had all these sorts of crazy ideas to do, like he brought in like the chainsaw, the barbed wire bat, but Lesnar, all he wanted to do was suplex him a thousand times and hit him with one shitty F5, and that was it. It's... When it comes to the guys from past eras, when you look at guys from the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era, which is where Lesnar's from, Vince goes crazy for them, for whatever reason. And they just cannot perform any like they just can't perform to their standards anymore. At least the standards that Vince is promoting them at. Well, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, Kane, all those guys, yeah, they can't perform at all anymore. <laughs> but Brock Lesnar can. You, Brock Lesnar yeah, can, he's just too lazy. He can, he just doesn't want to. But if Vince is gonna throw money at him, he's gonna take it. And in regards to Triple H, I think Triple H still has the capability of putting on a great match if you put him with a great opponent. And six years ago, yes, The Undertaker would have been a, is, was a great opponent for Triple H. But now Triple H is really starting to slow down. Although he's around the same age as The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, they slowed down long before he did. But if you're going to put him in the ring with those guys, he's going to wrestle slow because his opponents are slow. He's going to wrestle poorly because his opponents are wrestling poorly. If you put Triple H, in my belief, if you put Triple H in the ring with someone like Styles or Brian or maybe even Lesnar, if Lesnar got his head out of his ass, you could still have a great match with Triple H. Well, now you heard what happened with Triple H. He tore his pec. Yeah, most likely out for WrestleMania now. Which means that most likely spells the end of the career for the animal Batista who wanted to face yeah. Triple H at WrestleMania this year, would have been an awesome retirement match, Triple H versus Batista one last time, considering that Triple H has never beaten Batista in the ring before. Um, I don't know. I feel like Batista is going to like stay to his word on that. He said that if they didn't get something done this year, he'd hang it up because he's one of those guys who says, I'm very capable of stepping in the wrestling ring again. He's in great shape, but I don't want to be one of those guys that overstays my welcome. No, and he's, he's right. He's completely right. Because now, Shawn Michaels, everyone's like, all right, Shawn Michaels. If he never came out of retirement, people would still think of Shawn Michaels like the 2010 Shawn Michaels, where he was last in the ring with WWE. That's how people think of him. But even even if he came... Even if he came out of retirement, like... Immediately after, maybe like a year after, in 2010, he'd still be awesome because he could still perform at the level that he was performing at in 2010. The fact that he came back eight years later 
just so he can get paid five million or whatever it was for Saudi Arabia. I mean, he had one cool flip that kind of worked. He botched with Kane when his mask fell off. I mean, those slaps to the chest, those uh, backhand slaps, look weak as all hell. Just play work. This is why Batista is smart. In 2014, he came back for those few months, and that was perfect because he was there for a perfect amount of time. He did not damage his reputation at all. I mean, he was only back for four months, though. He, he took four years off to come back for four months, and then he left for another five years, if he comes back at all. He'll probably be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Undertaker probably the same. This year, I think they both go in this year. Well, I think Batista goes in only if he retires. I think The Undertaker's going in regardless. I think this is his last mania. It's got to be. Undertaker and Batista in the same class because they're going to want... Obviously, Undertaker's going to be the head of that class, whatever class he's in. If he goes in this year, he's the head of that class. But Batista, they're going to want Batista to be the head of his own class. They're not going to put him in this Yeah, but it's in New York this year, and they probably want to have a big class. And at the same time, I don't think WWE and Dave Batista have that strong of a relationship like they once did. I feel like Batista's very, like, salty with Vince McMahon and Triple H. He, he went Hollywood, yeah. But, I don't know. If, well, if they did that, if they put Batista and The Undertaker in the same class this year, I, I'd say the Hall of Fame might be more so the Hall of Fame would be two nights before NXT TakeOver in Brooklyn the night before, same night as that New Japan event at Madison New Square Japan Garden. Event, yeah, which I was looking at. Which is interesting to go to if those elite club members are still there. Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, so the Young Bucks. So apparently now that Roman's out, so Roman's out for who knows how long, if he ever comes back. John Cena's gone Hollywood. Uh, Undertaker's on his way out. Same with Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and them. So, unless WWE wants to rely on Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose's rivalry to carry them for the next half year or so, they're going to have to go out and make some ballsy signings. They may have to overpay some of them and plead with some of them. I know Cody already said that he, he's not going to re-sign. He's not going to be a surprise entry in the Rumble. But if WWE wants to get back on that upward slope, because they've been on a downward spiral for a very long time, they're going to have to go out and make offers to guys like Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, even Jericho. Jericho's completely running it. It's just the way they are using their talent that is driving WWE under the radar. The I mean, ratings. they have Bray Wyatt, who they haven't even used in like six months. Why? Where the hell is he? I mean, Bailey and Banks, they're nobody's now. Yeah, I don't even care about that rivalry. I mean, if Sasha turns heel, that's one thing, but who cares? But it's not like they can spontaneously just do that thing. Just people are going to look at that and be like, oh, yeah, there's that half-feud from the summer. I will give them one thing. Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch is probably going to be a very, very good match at Survivor Series. Um, I don't know. I, I Who goes over, though? Exactly, Rousey goes over. That's the thing, though. If Rousey goes over, Becky Lynch's credibility is all out the window, I think. 
I feel like this match really defines her uh, legacy in WWE, considering that she's one of those she's one of those scrappy wrestlers that wasn't supposed to be there. She's not supposed to be on the posters or anything. She was supposed to be like that baby face that everybody loved but never like really got over in the business. And now she's proving that she can be that like tweener. She's not good. She's not bad. She's supposed to be a heel, but everybody loves her, so she's kind of in the middle. And she's proving that she could be like that edge type player where she's both the baddest and most loved woman on that roster. But if she does lose, that ruins everything. And I, I think Ronda Rousey could afford to take a loss, especially if she's screwed over in some way. Because that helps both Becky Lynch and the WWE in making her heel-like and putting yeah, her over against Rousey with help. Heel character. A classic interference of the match she gives to put Becky Lynch over that solidifies her character as a heel. Not only gives her a win, but it makes Rousey finally take a loss without looking weak. That's the perfect plan, but if we think in terms of WWE yeah, writers... Let's think in their logic for a second. So Rousey is going to go over. Period. The end, in my opinion, she's going over. Either way, I hope, some, I hope it's not clean. If Rousey goes over... Then, if she goes over and it's with help, then Becky Lynch she plays the same character. Oh man, she got screwed again. She would have beat her. If Becky Lynch goes over against Rousey, then Rousey didn't lose clean and she still looks strong. Yeah. Thing is, I don't know who's next on the food chain to face Rousey for the title. She already beat the Plastic Bella Twins, who shouldn't even be there in the first place. She already beat Alexa Bliss numerous times. I don't know exactly who's next on that uh, list. If you want to go the Bailey and Sasha route, no. you've already seen her Alexa face Nia Jax. Who's the next biggest female heel on the roster? Well, actually, I think Nia Jax won that. Uh, there was like a battle royal at Evolution, yeah. so now she has a championship opportunity. They'll probably go back that route. Hopefully, that's a one and none because we've already seen it. We've seen so many uh, repeat rivalries over the past six months despite Rollins Ambrose because that's always been very entertaining of course well when it's with two guys like that if you actually book a rivalry then you have a good rivalry but WWE is all about just recycling what the, what they do I feel like when they when they reintroduce a rivalry is they always take rivalries that were actually somewhat successful, which is more successful, and when they don't know what else to do, they revive that rivalry, hoping that it'll be just as successful. The and they're rivalry. never successful. They're never successful. It's like it's like a cry. It's like Jaws two. I think it's gonna be good as the original, not at all. Not uh, like close. Daddy's Home two. Daddy's what home a disappointment. Better a good movie the first one was hilarious successful second one was almost like a mockery of the original like it's it's all it is it's not unique it's not good it's not new you know what I mean it's not new predictable that's what all these revisited rivalries are like so we both agree that John Rules or jeez Crown Jewel Crown Jewel sucked yeah. I graded a D plus, 
The only the only reason they're getting a an actual grade is because they actually had the balls to show up in Saudi Arabia after everybody told them not to, and they made their money. Good for them. Um, I also I also give credit to Triple H and Shawn Michaels. They are in their fifties now, and they did put up a fight. It was mildly entertaining, but a lot of bad spots there. So I give them credit for it. What's your grade for Crown Jewel? Well, just so you know, a C plus is, you know, a 7.6 or higher out of 10. So that's a pretty high rating. But not going letter grade wise, I'll just give it a rate out of 10. I'm going to have to give it a 5. Man, our critic is going to be pissed with you. He, there's no way he watched Crown Jewel. There's no way. Well, that was my initial reaction when I saw that comment. I'm like, um, did you watch the show? If he watched it and he liked it so much to the point that he calls you an asshole because he's so mad that you didn't like the show, Crown Jewel must have been his first show ever. Like, that must have been his first show he's ever watched. Or he was just in shock and awe to see DX back together. D-Generation X versus the Brothers of Destruction. Buddy, I have thick skin. It doesn't bother me. But at the same time, you ever come after me again, you know my mom is coming after you, boy. Yes, she is. That'll complete our WWE portion of this episode. I'm done talking about Crown Jewel. have nothing left to say about it. Let's get into some UFC. We have our UFC expert on the line here, Michael Battaglino, calling in. If he answers the phone. Hello, Jack. And there's Mikey B. How are we doing tonight, Mikey? Thanks for not taking a nap during this portion of the podcast. <laughs> so me and Declan just got over talking about Crown Jewel and how awful it was. I know you don't even watch. Did you watch Cormier versus uh, Lewis Saturday night? I did. I did. What are your thoughts regarding that fight? I mean, I expected Cormier to find a way to win. I didn't think Derek Lewis was uh, quite ready for that. He, I mean, he just fought a few pay-per-views earlier. Uh, give us your thoughts on Daniel Cormier's fight with Lewis and his potential fight with Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I um, I knew I had a feeling Cormier was gonna win. I wasn't, you know, surprised. You know, I knocked out Steve Miocic, truthfully, but it just shows you knock out decision, um, and he went in and. Uh, Derek Lewis can throw some shots, so he uh, took him down and wrestled him, and uh, you know got exposed the neck and choked him out. So you know he got the win that way, and uh, it was a great performance. And Derek Lewis, you know, his last fight was the pay per view before, um, not much time in between whatsoever, and. Uh, he was losing that whole fight, you know, the the fight before that he uh, got a late knockout in, and um, he, he's he's a spectacular fighter, but I don't think he was quite ready to uh, step up in the league that uh, he sees in. Yeah, I don't think Derek Lewis was ready physically or mentally. I mean, you heard him in his last uh, interview after that fight. Previously with Joe Rogan, he basically said, I'm not even thinking about no fight right now. I'm ready to yeah, take some time yeah. off. And then 
Dana White threw him right into the lion's den with Daniel Cormier. So I don't think he was ready physically or mentally. I'll tell you what, though. It seems like Brock Lesnar is ready for Daniel Cormier. Should be a hell of a fight. What are your thoughts yeah. going into that fight? Well, that's that's the fight that uh, that everyone's looking for, and that's certainly the fight DC's looking for. Um, one thing I want to ask you, uh, why did WWE have him win? Uh, well, we were we were talking about this forever. We don't know. Like, Braun, he was facing Braun Strowman, and Braun Strowman was basically primed and ready to be the next face of the company with Roman Reigns out with leukemia and all. Exactly. I mean, I know with Roman now being out, it changes probably the plans they had set. Um, and I'm sure that Brock Lesnar was probably, like, their number two guy. Since Roman, like, Roman Reigns was supposed to have a lengthy title run as it was, probably going all the way up yeah. until WrestleMania. So when he went out, they kind of panicked and were like, may as well put Brock at the top again because him versus anyone is a headline match as opposed to Braun and anybody. In their minds, anyways. So I think they're trying to make this fight in March. Now, I know that's when DC is planning to uh, retire. Right, I heard March 2nd's the date. March 2nd, yeah. Which is 2.35, I believe. So, put the DC's retirement match. And, uh... I'm... Now... How, uh, how active is Lesnar going to be in WWE until then? Well, uh, apparently he just signed a new contract with Vince stating basically he has he has to work Survivor Series and then one other of the big pay-per-views, either the Rumble or WrestleMania, probably going to be WrestleMania, and he gets to work and train for his UFC fight with Cormier while he does it. Now, I, I could think the only way that they put that title on Lesnar, despite the fact that he's number two to Reigns, is that him walking into his UFC fight against Cormier, a huge fight for the UFC. Him walking in also as the WWE's top champion, that proved, that spoils like big money for both brands, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. And that fight between those two is bringing in a lot of pay-per-view buys. I mean, and it's going to do a lot of numbers. I'd like to see where it, uh, it play, takes rank. Because Lesnar holds, I believe, one of the top five highest pay-per-view buys um, for pay-per-views as far as UFC. Uh, obviously, McGregor holding, I think, three or maybe even four of those five. But Lesnar is up there, and he's a big draw. And, of course, he's got to get into shape. Like You said it. On our last show, basically, he was in insane shape in his UFC 200 fight against, uh, what's-his-face, Mark Hunt. And since he's returned to WWE, obviously, he's, like, a big freak of nature and all that. But at the same time, he's not in, like, shredded shape like he has been. How did he look at Crown Jewel? Uh, you know, not in UFC shape, but big for the Saudi Arabia guys, I guess. Yeah, he'll get there. You know, he, he gets there. If he's planning on fighting Cormier soon, or, you know, anytime before March, I, I would assume that his training process has already begun, especially with all the time off he's had since summer. 100%. He's been getting ready, and he's taking it seriously. He wants, he's, I think he, 
has a little personal with DC. He wants to beat his ass, I think. And you you, you know, two can I, hear each I other, hear right? Him. Yeah, I can hear him. Okay. Yeah, it's better than last time. Okay, good. Yeah, so d- much more clear. Declan, that being said, Daniel Cormier versus Brock Lesnar. If it is DC's final fight, do you think Brock Lesnar moves forward if he wins on March 2nd? Moves forward in the UFC? Uh, yes, I do, because he said in the past that he, he planned on having... He planned on furthering his career in the UFC. Um, if if he wins the fight, I don't know who who his next opponent would be. Most likely the John next Jones. highest ranking in the heavyweight division. Could you imagine Brock Lesnar versus John, John Bon Jones? I don't know. I don't know if that pay per view would get as much buys as you would think, given that they've both Here. been viol- like both been exposed to the drug policies and doping policies. Here. Here. Thing, Jack. Here's the thing. If they can at least get that fight to happen without, you know, one of them testing positive. And and if they go through the fight and it ends clean and then something doesn't come out after it. Well, that, that that's very possible too, but even if they could just get the fight to happen, you know, because that's what people care about in a sense. You know, if something comes out afterwards, it is what it is. Yeah, but you, do you know look I mean? do you look at Cormier versus Jones two last summer as like an instant classic since John Jones beat Daniel Cormier in a clean fight and then ended up being suspended about a week later. Yeah, look, a lot of people view that whole steroid thing a lot differently. I mean, the, what you saw that came out and what the reason for why why he had the steroids in his system was not him purposely taking steroids it was a a whole other reason but here's the thing jack you know does steroids make you choose to throw that combination and throw that head kick you know what i mean steroids might allow you to build your muscles and make you faster and all that but is it really giving you that mental you know i mean is it really and and what they also said was that was test afterwards so he he needs to take it a couple days before the event did it really help him that much for that event you know what i mean so yeah i get that but at the same time like it's just not pure i understand that and a lot of people agree with that but to me a fight's a fight you know you go in there and even DC has said, you know, I lost that fight. I did. He does say, you know, John Jones is a cheater, but I did lose that fight. You know what I mean? So, a fight's a fight, and it is what it is. Now, the drug policy is one side of it with Lesnar and Jones and Cormier. What about the McGregor-Khabib suspensions? I haven't really looked that deep into it, but I keep hearing that their bans have been expanded. I don't know how long. Have you looked into that? Yeah, you know, I, I haven't really heard anything about it. Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I bet they kind of just wave it all off. What they're going to do is a ban is probably in place, and they're probably it's probably counting right now. So by the time they actually release something, saying something, most of it's probably been already been counting for. You know what I mean? So once they announce something, I guarantee you're going to hear that one of them is fighting or something. 
I don't think really either are going to get in trouble too much. They probably are just going to say, look, amp it down from here on, you know. Because I truthfully think Connor's going to go fight someone else, and I think Khabib will uh, defend his belt. And, I mean, he's won a lot of money, and, he, you know, they might not agree. If he might, He's talking about even leaving. So there's a lot to go on with there, too, but. I think uh, they won't really get in any trouble. Well, at this point, I feel like even at, like for me, after the uh, whole McGregor could be bus incident and then having them come back for one of the biggest pay-per-view draws a few months later shows me that all of this stuff just blows up in their, or just blows up in the water, you know? Like, they don't do anything about it. If Dana White's going to find a way to make more money, he's going to drop all charges. Yeah, I mean, look, those two are bringing him a lot of money. It's better off if he doesn't have them in trouble. You know what I mean? And not being able to perform for him. I mean, when was the last time, you know, there was a pay-per-view that wasn't for a title main event? It was Conor uh, Diaz. You know, Conor's a very big draw. And you've got Khabib as your lightweight champion. You want them active and fighting. Right, now that brings me to my next point. If... Khabib's done with Conor for now. I feel like they're going to have a rematch somewhere down the road. I feel like that's the only fight Conor McGregor will come back for at this point. Who You obviously said Khabib and uh, Ferguson. Ferguson's next in line for Khabib. Who would you think Conor yeah. would go after if he's not facing Khabib? Because I honestly don't think there's another fight for him right now. Well, it's a stretch, but GSK. George St. Pierre fights him. It... The problem with that is it would, GSP would want it for the title. And Dana obviously is not interested in that. But I heard talks of maybe doing it at a uh, weight like meet, so like maybe 165, and just do it just for a fight, uh, like a legacy type fight. So maybe GSP, I'm hearing. Uh, ben Aspirin moving into the. Uh, over from uh, one champion. Um, he's also another guy, and he's big-time wrestling. So there are some people um, that Khabib could fight, but truthfully, not many from the uh, lightweight division. I would like to see maybe Kevin Lee fight someone, and then maybe he get a shot at Khabib, because he's been talking a lot of shit, but... Uh, I'd like to see either Ben Askren or GSP, truthfully. Now, GSP hasn't fought since, what, last November against Bisping? Yes. Now, what uh, title was that for? What weight? That was for the 185 middleweight uh, division title. And is, is he and, still uh, the champion or no? I haven't really... What happened with that was he signed a contract saying he would agree to defend the belt at least once if he won. And... A lot, what a lot of people don't know is GSP had bad stomach problems uh, in the training camp of that fight uh, against this thing, and he didn't train for two weeks of it. And he wasn't even sure if he was going to be able to fight. So he ended up, you know, fighting, and then uh, he wanted to get, you know, completely healthy before he performed again. So that's why he released the belt and didn't defend. But um, there's a lot of people talking about why he didn't 
come back, but that's that's what I heard. Right, and at the same time, I feel like he wants to come back after beating Bisping. For him, it's legacy. You know, it's not so. He he had a long title reign. He stepped away from the game and he came back at a new weight division, won another title. It's legacy for him. You know, he's only gonna fight big names. So this will take me to probably. The most controversial topic of the month in the UFC. It's never been done before. I I guess that's where they're heading this direction. Demetrius Johnson becomes the first fighter ever traded out of the Ultimate Fighting yeah. Championship. What the hell happened there? Yeah, I'm 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 interested by that, and I kind of like it because it's it's taking a new uh, new type of step out of what you you know they traditionally have done. I mean, you never really have heard any of that except in other sports like, you know, almost any other sport, baseball, you know, football, basketball, hockey, all that other sports. I kind of like it, truthfully. I mean, you know, a lot of people believe UFC have the best fighters in the world, but some people believe, you know, some of the best are in some other areas. And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing some of them come over and face some of our champions in UFC and you know, see who really is the best in the world, you know? And what were you going to say about that, Declan? I was just going to say, you know, MMA is a professional sport, and just like most, not if not all professional sports, have trading systems. So I think this is a smart move on behalf of the UFC. I think it's a more efficient way to obtain better talent and not, you know, overpopulate the roster of the UFC. Yeah, and the UFC got Ben Askren out of it. It was odd to me, though, considering Demetrius Johnson kind of owned the flyweight division at this point. I mean, he still had multiple fights under his current contract. Uh, I haven't really heard much of one championship. I guess they're now going to gain some traction out of this trade. Oh, yeah, I heard, I heard Ben Askren's a big up. name. I'd say he was definitely their biggest name. Yeah. Um, I heard they also picked up someone else. I forget the, the name of who they did, but they're they're trying to bring some big uh, some big draw to themselves. So Askren's eighteen and zero. Oh oh, uh, Eddie Alvarez. Oh no, really? I didn't. Yeah, Eddie uh, poor Eddie. With them. Yeah. Eddie Alvarez. He, uh, one yeah, championship. That's right. His contract was up at UFC, and he signed with them. So Askren's 18-0 here, one no contest, former Bellator welterweight champion. He announced his retirement last year after a first-round victory in uh, November 2017. So, I mean, we'll see how well his head's in it. He's open to fighting the likes of George St. Pierre and Rory McDonald. It's a confident fight. I hear those. Go ahead, Mike. I hear um, that he's going to fight Robbie Lawler in the uh, welterweight division uh, for 233. They're trying to make it happen. Nothing's official, but that's the fight that's looking like what's going to happen. That fight would be? You just said 233. Uh, I thought you guys said you could hear him. It's like cut out. Some things I can hear, some things I can't. 
At 233, okay. Okay. So when we all get back to New Jersey, we can all sit down and talk about this, like, civil gentleman. Hi, yeah. Mikey, I know you want to go to sleep right now, and I'm going to give you that opportunity. Real quick, real quick. I just want to ask some uh, prediction, some prediction who's going to win out of some fights. All right, hit me. Max Holloway or Brian Ortega? I'm going to go Ortega. Or I'm going to go Holloway. Declan's got Holloway. I got Ortega. I'm going Ortega as well. I just don't... I feel like Holloway... Every time I side with Holloway, he lets me down. Yeah, that's true. He he either backs out of the fight or he just gets his ass kicked. (laughs) I'm going... I'm going Ortega. All right. Next one. Uh, John Jones or Alexander Gustafson? (sighs) I'm going to go John Jones just because of the skill level. I mean, he always tends to perform at the highest level, but if he even gets back to fight, I mean, there's no guarantee that he's even going to be back in the octagon. So, But I'll go John Jones if that fight does go down. I'll also go John Jones on that fight. I think, I think he's very good at performing to a certain level. Like, no one, I, I, I think... DC was in favor of winning that fight, and the fact that John Jones won, to me, I, th- I think he he's just an all-around better fighter. Yeah, I mean, he talked about, you know, how he covered some of the holes in his game in the time that he's had off. I couldn't imagine the improvement from that he made from where he was. I mean, he was on a whole other level when he was fighting compared to if he fixed things, I couldn't imagine. So, he also said he didn't train too hard for the first fight against uh, Gustafson. So, I'm going with John Jones. I'm very excited to see the That's fight. That's a sweep right there. All right, what's your next one? All right. So, you know, obviously it's not confirmed, but, which is most likely going to go down, Daniel Cormier versus Brock Lesnar. Man, this is probably this is probably gonna be the most exciting fight for me since um, McGregor Diaz or even McGregor Mayweather, if you want to go in the boxing route. Um, even Connor, even Connor Khabib. But if I were to choose between Brock Lesnar and Daniel Cormier in the in the octagon, I'd probably have to go with the current champion Cormier, only because he's fought twice in like the last two months. Lesnar hasn't been in the octagon in almost two years now, or over two years. So yeah. I feel like experience yeah. is going to come into play. It's going to be like Conor Khabib, where Khabib has been fighting for the past two years or so, where McGregor hasn't even stepped foot in the octagon. I feel like it's going to come down to experience again. Even though Lesnar is like a once-in-a-generation like genetic freak who can go yeah. about anywhere and do whatever he I wants to, but I just feel like Cormier always finds a way to win, even against a guy like Brock Lesnar. Hmm. That's interesting. I was I was going to initially go with Lesnar because I don't think Cormier is going to be able to handle his quickness. So are you still going Lesnar? Yeah, I'm still going Lesnar. I'm, I'm kind of split because uh, 
I, I was listening what, to what DC said about Lesnar after his uh, post-fight interview, and um, he was saying the wrestling's going to cancel out. Brock's a real deal wrestler. You know, he really is. So that's going to kind of cancel out. Brock's heavier and probably stronger. I mean, Brock's stronger, I think. That's a little advantage towards Brock. Brock, I mean, he's fast. Now, DC striking's probably going to be a little bit better, I think. He's also been more active. Yet, Brock did have a little time off in a team in and uh, UFC to uh, had a dominating performance over Mark Hunt. So I'm not totally set on either one yet, but uh, I'll let you guys know before the fight goes down. <laughs> Now, I think the one thing Lesnar does have on Cormier is time. I feel like the more time is consumed in that fight, the more rounds it goes, I feel like Lesnar has an advantage. Because, you know, Brock Lesnar, like, he'll play the patience game with Daniel Cormier because Cormier likes to be at, like, that slow pace, kind of how Floyd Mayweather does in the boxing ring. But the more time goes on, the more and less patient Brock Lesnar becomes. And the more impatient Brock Lesnar becomes you're going to start to see some fucking haymakers and Brock Lesnar is going to beat down Daniel Cormier like it was nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. He's got weight on him, you know? When you really use weight on someone, it makes them tired, you know? So we'll see. I mean, DC's no light guy, though, either. He weighed in at 251 against Derek Lewis, so... But at the same time, Lesnar, like you said, could get into that shredded physique on top of what he already has. Daniel Cormier is just kind of like a fat blob. speed and that quickness. I mean, he can move. Yeah. We'll see. I'm I'm not totally set on my decision yet. All right. Well, we'll get together when we're all back in Jersey. Well, when I'm back in Jersey, for that matter. To discuss it more, right. hopefully we'll, it'll be close to a big-time pay-per-view. Mikey, get good. some rest. I know you took some five-hour energy before you came on. Yeah. Go to sleep. Declan, same thing. I know you've been sick today. Oh, yeah, that's right. You weren't in school. Oh, you took off from school? I, I yeah, woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning. You missed a great lesson in Krauss. Oh, man. It was brutal. But I, I'm, I'm all right now. It was just a bad reaction to the flu shot. Definitely, missed a great lesson today in history. Oh, tell us about his history lesson, Mikey. Basically, just more industrial revolution and how it's setting up violence. Oh, well, not that this is on, like, history or politics. And I know we said from the beginning on our first ever episode, Declan, that we'd never talk about politics on this show. Sure. But have either of you seen, now I know it's kind of an old show, but it's still going, House of Cards with Kevin Spacey? I've never watched it. Never watched it, no. Damn, we could have gone like another half hour if you guys watched that show. Watch it on Netflix, A, across the boards. And I'm not a politics guy at all. That show is an A, across the boards. It It has a nice Breaking Bad feeling to it if you want to go that route. He's kind of like the Walter White of the story. Interesting. I'll have to check it out. I'll have to check it out. All right. So watch like the first 10 episodes when we get back next time. Hopefully we can (laughs) dig deeper into that. We haven't really talked about TV shows that much. Now that it's the baseball offseason and the NFL is really kind of just lacking interest this year. Yeah. We can get into that. So this was episode. TV shows. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. This is episode 26. That is Mikey B. This is Declan. I am Jack. I hope this episode will make you feel never, ever again. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.